Welcome to Church at Five. I, uh, I'm Brandon. I'm one of the leaders here of Church at Five, which is our English service of Calvary Chapel Freiburg. Uh, thank you so much. So this service is completely in English. There's no translation, just to forewarn you. And uh, our goal in having an English service is to just create a place where anyone that would be drawn to English, that would be more comfortable with English, can come and feel welcome, and we can grow as a community and connect with Christ, connect with God and each other. And I like to always just kind of remind us that uh, it's not an accident that you're here today or that I'm here today, that there's really a purpose in what God wants to do in this service today. And so I think it's cool to see all of you here, and I'm excited to see what God wants to do. I really believe, I've been thinking and praying about this all week, that God really wants to speak to us today uh, in this message. And this is a message that's very close to my heart and one I find very important. But before we dive into that, I want to give a little bit of background for anybody who might be here for the first time or just to let you know what we're doing in our series. We're looking at the letter to the Galatians. And uh, the letter to the Galatians was written by Paul to the people of Galatia, thus the name Galatians. And we've been looking at it for the last few weeks. And uh, today we're going to be continuing that into chapter 2, or finishing off chapter 2, actually. And something I that we talked about, or actually Sam mentioned a couple weeks ago, and I mentioned again last week, but I want to say it again because I think it's a really cool way to kind of be thinking about this, is that this is a real, these are real events that happen. That when we look at this, Paul wrote this to real people in response to some real issues that were facing those churches. And uh, this is important to kind of keep in mind because the issues that were facing that church didn't necessarily go away after this letter was written. There are a lot of issues that we're still facing in our churches today. And so we can learn and grow from what we're reading in this text, not just in the examples that Paul is laying out, but also in looking at the events that are going on and taking place. And uh, I'm encouraged by this letter, even though sometimes Paul can come off very passionately and very aggressively at times, calling them foolish and uh, actually hinting at that uh, the people that were kind of causing problems in, that, in those churches should castrate themselves, actually. Is, uh, he takes it that far, and we're going to be looking at that in a few weeks. But even with all of that in mind, it's, uh, it's definitely a letter that was written out of love. Paul really cared passionately for the people and passionately for the gospel. And that's the motive, and that's the reason this was being written. Uh, the issues vary there's one center issue, which was that they were being led astray by Judaizers, which were these Jewish Christians that were adding to the gospel. They were saying that you need more than Jesus uh, to be saved. And Paul really, this, this is what we're going to be kind of focusing on a little more today. But uh, he, loved, he loved these people. He loved the gospel. And uh, there's a reason and a purpose in what he's trying to say and I think it's something that we can hopefully learn from. If you didn't get a chance to hear 
all of the messages, I would encourage you, you can check them out online, on Facebook or on the Calvary website, just to stay caught up with what we're talking about. Before we dive in, let's just give a moment to pray and surrender this service over to God. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much, Lord, that we can now today look back at these examples, look back at this letter that was written so long ago and still learn and grow and just be transformed by your word. That your word, even though this is a specific time, that there's a context that we can look at and examine, Father, that we can still learn timeless truths out of this, out of these scriptures. So we surrender it to you. I surrender myself to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, doctrine. That's what we're going to be looking at today. And I feel like when you say doctrine, you get a lot of different ideas, a lot of different responses. And uh, a lot of times we can associate that with something that's maybe a bit boring, not necessarily so important to us today. What does it really matter? What does doctrine have to do with me? And uh, I want to encourage you, don't settle in and fall asleep just yet. I think this is something that's actually quite exciting and um, not just in a nerdy, you know, doctrine's exciting kind of way, but it is something that's very practical and uh, something that we can learn and grow from. So first, let's look at doctrine. What does doctrine mean? So the dictionary definition of doctrine is a belief or set of beliefs held and taught by a church, political party, or group. And uh, some synonyms for it, which I think help clarify it even more, is creed or belief or set of beliefs, code of belief, uh, conviction or teaching. And this, uh, I think to me, doctrine, again, is not necessarily a bad word and not something that we want to immediately shut down when we hear that we're going to be talking about doctrine. And a a quote from someone that I quite admire, R.C. Sproul, says, people who believe nothing are willing to negotiate everything when it comes to theology. And this is where doctrine, I think, becomes important. It's a way to know more about what we believe so that we're not easily swayed this way or that way when it comes to our theology and the key values that we hold as believers. So looking at that definition, doctrine is really just about getting in deeper. It's really just about examining and looking closer at what we believe. And for us today, especially looking at what we believe as Christians, as followers of Christ. Today, we're going to be looking at Galatians chapter 2, verse 15 to 21, which is a little bit of overlap. If you were here last week, we actually read through verse 16 last week, uh, but we didn't really have time to get into the, uh, some key issues that uh, are addressed in those verses, and it's too important to overlook. So we're going to go back to verse 15 and then go all the way to the end of chapter 2. Before we do, though, I want to talk a little bit, kind of, so we have kind of a, an image of what we're going to be looking at. So as we get into the text, we're kind of not coming in with a blank slate 
but with a bit of an understanding. So in this passage, Paul kind of gets in a little bit deeper and starts to address these issues, the issue especially of these Judaizers, again, who are teaching kind of a false doctrine or a false truth about the gospel. And he lays out the doctrine of justification. This is the first time we see the word justify used in the book of Galatians in verse uh, 16. And it's used several times, four times in the passage we're going to be looking at today in some form or another. And so it's a kind of a, a small section of text where he really lays out a, a doctrine of justification through faith in Jesus Christ and through that faith alone. So it's a bit of a deeper topic, and I think one that there are literally uncountable numbers of books and commentaries written on this subject. Obviously, we're not going to be here for five or six hours. We're only going to be here for 40 minutes. So it's going to be a compact version of this. I always like to open up the idea that if people want to know more, if you're interested in going deeper, that you know we have people here in the church that would love to talk with you. You don't have to do it right after service. You can also write on one of the cards, the welcome cards out there if you're interested in knowing more because this is a topic that I think is really important. And so if you're interested in knowing more than what we're going to be able to get into today, I would definitely would open that up. So what is the doctrine of justification by faith in Jesus alone. What does that mean? I think for this, I think of it as, as justification is kind of this answer to the question of coming to God, of our coming to God. And before we can look at it, before we can look at justification, we have to look at this question of coming to God. But even before we can get to that, we have to start with the root, which is the problem. The problem that kind of brought on the question of how do we get to God. And for this, I think we can start by just looking at ourselves, looking at anybody we've ever come in contact with, us as humanity. I think we can all agree there seems to be something not quite right. There's something that is missing. There's some part that's not working at 100%. There's something wrong with us. And... Uh, I think that is the beginning of the problem. And I think it's something that we can all see in one way or another. Whether we know it or not, or whether we see it as what it is or not, there's something that's missing. And I think the root of this is that we're made in the image of God. So God is our creator, and we were made in his image. But... We're, there's something that's, that's obviously gone wrong. There's something that's not... We're, we're, I mean, if we look at the news or watch anything that's going on, there's clearly we're not operating in the way that God originally designed us. And I think that there's something written deep in our DNA. There's a part of who we are as human beings that longs to be with our Creator, to be in communion with Him, to be in connection with Him, to be in relationship with Him. We're created to experience our existence with our creator. But there's something that keeps us. There's a, a gap between us. And this is, I think, the problem. And 
I think, again, look, I like to kind of bring us looking at the, the world outside of the church, outside of Christianity, because these principles, I think, don't just apply to the church. They apply to all humanity. And obviously, not everybody in the world will think that I am, you know, they're not going to admit that they have some longing to be with their, a God or their creator. But I think it manifests itself in other ways. So we seek to fulfill this desire to fulfill this need to be with our creator and we can do it through relationships with people which always fail because not relationships don't always fail but when we try to fill in a gap of our, our of our desire to be with our creator of our relationship with him in a person they're not going to measure up we also do this with people do this with addictions whether it be drugs and alcohol or sex or pornography, we try, people are trying to fill this need, this gap. And, and I think another one that's actually quite popular is to fill it with, um, by achievements, by success, by being well-educated, by having a, a good job, lots of money, and trying to fill this hole that's deep within us that can only truly be satisfied, only truly satisfied by our relationship with our creator. So here's the problem. God is perfect and righteous and holy and almighty, and we are not. We're not righteous. We're not holy. God is perfect, and we're not. We're sinful. We are selfish in our human nature. It's always going to be easier to be concerned about ourselves and other people. And again, this is something that we see in the world manifesting itself, not necessarily in a desire to be with God, but we have this insatiable desire for this deep within us to be with our creator, to be with him whose image we bear, So the problem that we're left with is that God is good and I'm not. He's good, I'm not. He's up there, I'm down here. And this leads us to the question, what can I do to fill that gap? What do I do, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to reconnect this relationship with my creator? And we can sense this gap, this massive gap between us and God that we long to fill. And so when we come to this knowledge, okay, God is righteous, God is good, I'm not. The question is, what do I do? How do I get there? Because we fall so immeasurably, immeasurably short of the standard of good and of righteous that is set by God. So how can we be in his presence? And this is where it gets a little tricky. Especially as we're going to be as the, looking at the text that we're going to be looking at today. Because to me, it makes the most sense in my mind that I need to work my way to him. If I'm down here and I'm not good and he's up there and he's perfect, then it just makes sense to take the steps to become better and better and work my way up to fill this gap. 
That to me is what's most logical. That God is perfect. He's up there. All I have to do is just work my way to him. But of course, as we've looked at over the last few weeks and we talk about the gospel, the only answer is justification through faith. (laughs) Faith. (laughs) Through faith in Jesus Christ. It's only through justification through faith in Jesus Christ. And justification is defined as the action of declaring or making righteous in the sight of God. I really like action. I like that it, the word action is in there. That it's, it's not something that's declared or something. It's an action that takes place making us righteous in the sight of God. That's what justification is. And so justification by faith in Jesus alone is being made righteous before God, not by what we do, not by working our way to anything, but simply by believing in Christ and believing in Jesus. So let's get into our text now. We might go two hours, three hours, I don't know. Hope you all are comfortable. So we'll dive right into the text. Galatians 2, 15 to 21. And I'll start by just reading it all the way through so we can get a sense for the text. And then we'll go back and look at it a little closer. We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among the sinners, doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, then I really would be a lawbreaker. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Now Paul is laying out, I think beautifully, the basics of justification by faith in Jesus alone. And he breaks it down into kind of defining it in several different ways. And then he addresses the critic's argument, which I really like. And that's what we're going to spend some time on. And then I think he just kind of sums it up and proves his point in the end. So let's look at it again. Verse 15 through the first half of 16 We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. This is kind of the general covering of this concept of this idea of justification, bringing it through to, to, I think, to all of us. Because what his point is when he says Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles, he's kind of pointing out (laughs) that uh, even if a Jew does obey the law, even if they were living rightly, that they still, it still wouldn't be enough to justify them. 
And so he kind of ties in that uh, Gentile, and again, Gentile is just a non-Jewish person. Of, so most of us, I think, here are probably Gentiles. And so Gentile or Jew, we all need faith in Jesus Christ to be justified. And moving kind of quickly so we can get all the way through this, verse 16b, so we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. So here Paul is making it a little more personal, bringing in we. And this is what we actually talked about a few, a few weeks ago, of this idea of we, of our sins, of our justification, and bringing it into this sense of community. And also bringing himself personally under this. Verse 16b, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. And here, just to be sure, he blankets everybody, making it universal for everybody that no one, no one, and that, uh, that no one is talking about all human beings that have ever lived, ever were alive then, or will ever live in the future, no one will be justified. Verse 17 through 18, and this is where we want to spend a little more time. But if in seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among the sinners, doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, when I, then I really would be a lawbreaker. And Here's where he addresses his critic's argument. And this is why I really want to spend the most time on this. Because I think we can understand, okay, I believe in Jesus. And, you know, I'm justified. I'm made righteous. That's all great. But I think we kind of forget, we can miss what he's bringing in here with the, with the critic's argument. Because the idea is justified by faith in Christ alone. And that's the big difference. That it's only through that. Not, that, not believing in Jesus and then working. Not working and then believing. It's in faith, our faith in Jesus Christ alone that justifies us before God. And I'm, the critics would say, okay, you're saying I can, and to kind of paraphrase it, you're saying if I come to Jesus and I believe in him, then I'm saved and then I'm justified, I'm made righteous, and then I could just go do whatever I want. I could just live however I want. And then wouldn't, and that's where this phrase is, then wouldn't Christ promote sin? Wouldn't he be promoting sin that, okay, you just have to believe and then you're free to do whatever you want? And of course, Paul breaks this down. Absolutely not. And then in verse 18, if I rebuild... What he's referring to is if you go back to living under the law, then you're going to be living in sin. And we're going to talk about works because I think when we, talk, when we touch on this issue, we have to think in our minds, well, we have to do something as Christians. We're going to get into that in a little bit and even more in the weeks to come. But first, I want to focus on this issue. We're talking about salvation. We're talking about our justification Filling this gap between us and God. 
and that it happens through our belief in Jesus Christ. And that's what justifies us, makes us righteous before him. And a study that I found but amongst Christians in churches in the States, I think really it, it's, it's really, you know, it's not uh, so deep, but it can really kind of quickly help us to understand a little bit of what we believe on this issue. So they were asked two questions. And I'm going to ask you guys the same questions. First question is, do you feel sure that when you die, you're going to go to heaven and be with your creator? Do you feel sure, do you feel positive that when you die, you're going to go and be with Christ, be in heaven? And the second question related to this one is, if you died today, and you stood before God, and he said, and he stood at the gates and said to you, why should I let you in? Why should I let you in to heaven? What would your answer be? What would you tell them? And over 90% of the people from in churches, their answer began with some form of, because I blank. Because I lived a good life, because I read my Bible, because I prayed every day, because I was in church every Sunday, because I didn't do this or that sin, because I lived well, because I obeyed the Ten Commandments. And this is works salvation. That's self-justification. You're justifying your sins by what you do good. And I think, for me, a funny example of this that kind of popped in my head the other day is it's, I'm going to confess something to you guys. I went, I, last week we talked about, you know, the importance of confession, so I'll live that out. I sometimes don't feel like cooking, and I will make frozen pizzas, which are just insanely unhealthy. I mean, just probably one of the worst things you can eat. But then <laughs> I just cover the entire top with bacon before I put it in the oven. And it's just like a heart attack pizza. It's so delicious. <laughs> Man. So that's my confession to you guys. And I can think to myself, okay, this is not the best choice of meals. And uh, it's definitely not going to better me. So next week or tomorrow, I'll eat a salad. And that will justify eating this pizza today. I'll justify it by eating healthy tomorrow. And it's a silly example, but that's basically the idea of self-justification. And this is the problem with it, is when we are put in the position of justifying ourselves, then we're never going to hold up to a perfect standard. So it's always going to be this balancing act of, okay, well, if I did this and this wrong, then I just have to do this and this right. If I read my Bible a little extra this week, if I go to church, you know, to all three services on Sunday instead of just one, then it will kind of justify what I did on Saturday night. <laughs> It'll justify what I did last week. And that is works-based salvation. And again, there is 
a reason why we should go to church and why we should live, you know, do good works, as, as Paul talks about in other uh, verses in this book, and also what James says, you know, we have to be doers of the word, not just hearers only. And so there is a, an aspect of that that's very important. But first we need to grasp this before we can move on to that. That we first have to grasp we cannot justify ourselves. We cannot be put in the position of deciding what, if I do enough of this, then it's okay that I did that. And that is the danger of self-justification. Paul's saying at the end of verse 16, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. No one. There's not an exception. And it's simply not possible. Because the idea of being justified by our works means we'd have to live perfectly. Not just obeying the Ten Commandments, but all of the Old Testament law, meaning also the ceremonial laws, which is what the issue was with the Galatians of uh, circumcision. But not just circumcision, also obeying the Sabbath and the food restrictions, which I'd be out already with my bacon pizza. It's just not possible for us to obey all of the laws perfectly. And Paul's saying that really clearly, that there's no way for us to earn our salvation. Hmm. We're going to move a little bit faster. We cannot do good works as a means to earn God's favor. And I really want to emphasize that as when we're thinking about this idea of self-justification. It also means this idea of I'm now better in the sight of God because I did this and this and this. Justified by faith in Jesus Christ alone means justified, made righteous before God by faith in him alone. And it means that you're, I mean, how can you get more righteous than the righteousness of God? And that's just, I just really want us to grasp that before we move on, but it's time to move on. We need to be living good lives as Christians though, right? I think that's the thing that always is the hang-up when we're talking about this. Okay, yeah, but... I can't just do what I want. I mean, there's certainly standards of living. So let's read verse 19 through 20, or 19 and 20. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I died to the law so that I might live for God. Is I don't think it can be any more clear than that. I died to this idea of, or this concept of trying to work, of trying to do good in order to be righteous before God so that I could just live with him, so that I could live for him. There's a big difference between trying to work for him and trying to live for him. That's just the everyday. That's just experiencing and doing life through Christ. Good works comes 
through the change that is performed in us. And that's what we talked about a couple weeks ago, that Christ, that Jesus is working in you. He began a good work in you. He's going to see it to completion. And that's, that's the journey that we're on as believers. And that's what this is. It's not this idea of working our way or to be holy before God, but being justified and living with him, dying to the law, being crucified with Christ so that we can live with him. First, we must die to the law. Basically, give up on trying to save yourself. Give up on trying to justify, trying to be righteous in your own strength. And let him do the work in you. Let him justify you. And that Christ lives in me, that we see in this verse, it's from this that we see real change, real justification, real transformation, a real renewing of the heart. Now, I live by faith in the Son of God. It's only through this relationship that we live, that we breathe, that we're able to serve, that we're able to do good works, to if I give to the poor because, and I feel like I'm now more holy before God, then it's, it, that's work salvation. That's, that doesn't help me at all. But if I feel like this change that's happening, this, this uh, transformation of my heart, it just, um, it drives me to give to the poor. That's the difference. It's this driving from the change within our heart rather than, scraping and working our way towards God. 2 Corinthians 5:17 says, "Therefore if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here." It's when we are truly justified, a change happens and we start to become a new person. And it doesn't happen, it doesn't, it's not immediate. It doesn't mean that we live perfectly. We never live perfectly. I mean, that's why Christ, uh, Paul talks about uh, the work that Christ began. He will see to completion, but that's at the end. He also talks about running the race to win, running all the way to the end. We never reach perfection until we're with Christ. But there is a work, a new thing has happened in our hearts. And from that springs out good works. And this is the true evidence of belief. The true evidence of justification is a changed heart. Verse 21, as we're slowly wrapping it up. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, then Christ died for nothing. Here Paul is Paul's kind of end argument I think for the against the critics because he's saying if you can work your way to heaven and this is where I, I feel like it just leaves out any doubt if you could do that if that were possible then what was the point of Christ's death and resurrection why did he do it if we could have just earned our way and if it's even if it's belief in him plus working, it diminishes 
what he did on the cross. It brings down the work of Christ on the cross. We are saved by works. It's just not our works. It's his works. What he did on the cross is what makes us righteous. It's what he did on the cross that saves us and changes our hearts as we believe in him. It's not our works, but his. And it's through this grace for us that we receive this justification. Romans 4, 5. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. Just really plainly spelled out. It's not through the work. It's not what we do. It's believing in him. And again, I know that there is this whole concept of of works and uh, we do want to get into that. And Paul addresses that issue very heavily in the chapters to come of how we do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we can uh, be filled with the Holy Spirit to perform these good works and looking at the fruits of the Spirit. But first, let's understand that our salvation, that the gap between us and God was filled by, by Christ and his justification for our sins. And to me, this is why I find this, like I said, this is a very personal message for me. When I began to actually understand that a little bit better, there's freedom in that. There's so much freedom in that. And also in Galatians, Paul talks about, it is for freedom that Christ set us free. We're free to try to work to God. We get to just experience our lives living with him, living in our hearts. And from that, good works spring out. Instead of this, desire, this need or this kind of driving force to work our way step by step, scraping by as if we were ever able to get anywhere on our own. It's only in Christ's strength that we're saved And from that, the Spirit of God comes in and changes our hearts so that there is an outpouring of good works. And again, we'll get into that more. I want to invite the band to come up. So I want to leave with kind of what's the point? Again, doctrine. Why do I need to know this? Why is this practical for me? And this is what I want to kind of leave you guys with, is to know this is to understand our faith, our freedom, and our righteousness that we have in Christ. And in order to live out our faith, our freedom, and our righteousness that we have in Him, that we can be a light that leads others to this truth, that they too may have the freedom in Christ as that we do as believers. That's why. When we understand this freedom, when we're living this out, it changes our hearts. It changes the way we, we deal with people, the way we understand our own reality, knowing that I am completely saved by Christ right now. And I am the righteousness of God in Christ as much right now as I ever will be. Because of his work that happened so long ago. I was on his heart. You were on his heart. 
when he did that on the cross. So let's ponder this and let's think on this as we worship together.